One, two, three, testing. One, two, three, testing. Okay. So, what, oops. Okay. We're up and running right now. I just lost it again. By the time I do all the testing, it goes down. So, I have to bring it back up. Okay, we're going to listen to Alien Gods and Technology. Um... I think it would be very interesting. I'm hoping that it will. So here we go. Who do you think is in charge? Is it Anki or Enlil or any of their children that ultimately believes that they have the mantle of, you know, tablets of destiny, for example, the mantle of kingship over the earth at this point? It's actually Amin Ra, who's uh, Marduk, Thoth's brother. Because during the last premiere war, he was defeated. I don't think he took that too well. Um, he had to escape, number one. And during his escape, right before he decided to, to leave and like rule from space, is what he basically says, um, is he actually turned over the riches of the kingdom to the Ra-Kam. The Ra-Kam means offspring of. And when you translate the word Kam, K-A-M, into more modern terms, the word Kam is shield. So he transferred the riches and the, and the rulership of this earth and the kingdom to the Ra-Shields. And that's who's running the planet until this very day. And as far as the actual controllers within the system, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're talking about the managers, the politicians, the bankers, the military men. They don't really seem like they, they themselves run the system. Obviously, they're, they're part of it. But aren't they also enslaved by the system themselves? Yeah. See, one of the biggest things that a lot of people don't realize is not only are we the prisoners, but we're also the prison guards. And when, when, you, when somebody really understands what that means, then they go, oh, my God, you're right. Because we're, we're, we're governing ourselves, and it's like the crab in the bucket. When you have one crab try to climb out of the bucket, the other crabs grab it and pull it right back down again. And, you know, so we have, we have the whole, um, you know, police system. We have the military system. We have uh, the political system. And all these systems are designed to keep all of us in check, including them, because they've got to follow orders as well. If they don't follow orders, then they lose out. Uh, and unfortunately, some of the ones at the higher levels, they, they sell themselves out to enrich themselves. They literally sell out the human race to enrich themselves, uh, knowing that this is going to cause damage, trauma, and even destroy the environment. But because they're at a higher, more comfortable level, it seems to be okay with them. But at the same time, we're still on, all on the same playing ground. There's still somebody above them, and I really believe it, it potentially could be Amin Ra, who's also named Marduk, still running the show from behind the scenes. Because he had to escape out of here. I, think, I don't think he took it that well. He already had took a war, according to the text, to take over uh, earlier than he was supposed to. Before his constellation arose, he took over a little early. And that caused a lot of battles, battles between him and his brother. And um, he actually ended up, both ended up leaving Egypt because of, of Amun-Ra. Mm-hmm. They were fighting too much. Mm-hmm. Do we have any indication that Anki and sort of the more positive uh, side of the Anunnaki are trying to basically reassert any influence over Marduk and then Leo? I haven't seen anything yet. I've heard some things that Thoth is coming back or that he's here now and he's going to try to work with, you know, his dad, try to uh, bring things back into balance. Um, 
It's very possible. A lot of the ancient texts always talk about them coming back. They've always said they're coming back. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems like they've been gone for a long time, but we're talking about human lifespans. If somebody can live for over 100,000 years, it's nothing but a blink of an eye for them. If they leave for 400 years, 1,000 years, it's nothing. They just went around the corner. So we can't really perceive time in that way. But uh, it, it seems like as if we're really overdue for, for some help here. I, I, I would open, some, open my heart to some help right now, I'm telling you. One place that seems to be very relevant to indicate the ancient past is Antarctica. Um, the Pyrenees map indicates Antarctica obviously always wasn't covered or wasn't always covered by ice. And then there's this whole the new theory that part of the reason for some nuclear weapon deployments that the U.S. has been doing, or at least did during the Cold War, was actually to artificially warm the ice and essentially start to access natural resources in the South Pole. Or do you think it's beyond natural resources? It's actually about discovering ancient cities or indications of the Anunnaki civilization. Yeah, I think that uh, the Antarctica is just an amazing place. I mean, and I, I, I tell everybody, please go on Google Earth and go to Antarctica because you can see that almost every country has a base in Antarctica right now. And it's actually a neutral zone. In other words, if I'm your worst enemy, I can't shoot you, kill you, attack you, or kill you in Antarctica. It's a free zone. We, now, but they're all there doing these top secret projects and working on the same thing, whatever the, whatever the case may be. I do really feel, because back in, in the uh, early days, we would set off nuclear bombs for anything just to see what we can do. We tried to open up the, uh, you know, the atmosphere to release radiation uh, by blowing up a bomb in space. And I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't have tried to blow up a bomb. We blew up uh, that little island in the middle of the Pacific just to do a test. So they probably did blow up uh, some regions of Antarctica to try to break some of that ice away and see if they, they can, maybe can find an entrance or also find out what's there, some technology, because they probably already did a scan of the area and said, okay, there's something so many meters down or so many miles down. Let's take this top layer off and see if we can start to get to it. So it's very possible that they, that they did that. Uh, I know that um, there's a lot of artifacts there. Uh, and when you look on Google uh, Earth, you see gigantic ancient bases. And uh, they have to be because these stone walls are so old and so dilapidated, but they're super megalithic. So once again, this is not normal masonry. These are gigantic blocks. I'm talking about blocks that would rival the pyramid blocks. Mm -hmm. So you got to say, okay, because I don't think they would have built a megalithic structure at the time. I think that they built some stuff there, and I think that they're maybe still there. But right. But I don't think that they built those megalithic structures. Well, of course, that begs the question of why the Nazis were in Antarctica in the first place. Well, what it was, it, why yeah. did they want to build new Schwaben land yeah. in the poles? They had been chasing down every piece of ancient text and ancient relic. They went to Tibet. They went everywhere all over this world, scouring this planet for all this ancient information because they wanted to know how to create uh, you know, things out of the ether. They wanted to know how to create uh, Vimanas that could fly, and they wanted to uh, get a hold of these people. And I believe that they made contact with these pre-Adamite people and maybe some of these Pleiadian type, uh, uh, or tall, you know, tall whites or whatever down there. And I really think that they got accepted for whatever reason. These people have, seem to me have helped them and maybe even accepted them into the society. And some of them may have still been there all this time. So do you think that there is potential entry into the inner Earth through the poles? There's no doubt about it. You can see them from the uh, from the Google Earth. You can see gigantic, massive uh, openings. Some are several kilometers wide. They go right in. There's been accounts of military pilots flying into some of these openings. Um, and uh, Corey Good does a great job explaining one of the openings that he, he's, he you know, from his own experience, that he saw this massive underground city that went on for miles. And is this where the, some of the Anunnaki could have gone? Some of the Anki and Thoth type of figures would have gone to the inner earth. It's very possible because in the uh, Sumerian tablets, when Enki gets here, 
And Lil builds his mansion above ground, and Enki actually uses a tool to drill into the ground and builds a complete palace deep in the earth inner, it says. So it's very possible. They're used to living underground already. Uh, so it's very possible that there still could be something there. I remember Phil Schneider in the 80s had come forward. He was a U.S. military geologist that was doing helping with an underground base. And one layer broke free. They fell into this underground chamber where there was uh, uh, an alien base of some sort. He didn't recognize them as human. And uh, even a war broke out where he was shot. And his hand was sliced with these kind of laser slicing. And his body was kind of cut open. Slice, and uh, yeah. he lived for a little while after, but he eventually died from his wounds. But um, no, he was one of the first people killed. to really come out and say, look, he I'm a geologist for the military. I opened this area up, and there were people down there. And as far as he Antarctica goes, um, you've mentioned in your work that there's a correlation of structures between Antarctica and the structures you've seen there and, and Mars as far as the anomalies, right, are concerned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a super so massive uh, uh, pyramid in Antarctica. I mean, super massive. And some military soldiers have come forward and talked actually to uh, Linda Moten Howe with their testimony about the fact that it's still emitting some type of exotic energy. Mm. And now you have all the leaders of the world have gone down there. Everybody from the Queen of England uh, to, you know, Donald Trump to Obama. Everybody's gone to this location. More recently, Buzz Aldrin went there, one of the first people to walk on the moon. And he was completely horrified at what he found out. He actually went on Twitter and made a tweet that said something in effect of, they are pure evil, we're in trouble. Within four or five hours, it had gotten deleted. Uh, but the, the tweet, luckily, was obviously saved by millions of people, so we could probably find that very easily. But uh, he did make that tweet. Then they, uh, they, they said he was sick, and then they extradited him out of there immediately. But uh, there are massive megalithic walls there. There's pyramids there, and there's massive openings. Uh, by these megalithic walls to the to inside of somewhere. How deep they go, I don't know. But I'm I would say it's safe to say that there's definitely uh, something down there worthwhile. Because why would all the countries of the world spend all that energy, money, finances, and research to stay down there? Indeed. So, on the whole, it's, if we talked about obviously the notion that potentially Yankee and this sort of this more positive side of the Anunnaki might be stepping forward in the future to sort of make their presence more felt or to start to shift away from the influence of, of Marduk and um, and the Unreal faction. But what is it ultimately that you think the Anunnaki still want with humans at this point? Yeah, I think that the ones that are here, believe it or not, are, um, there's a rumor that, it's not even really a rumor, but I guess it's a hypothesis that some of them got stuck here after the last pyramid war. Some chose to stay, but when I say stuck here, because after you're on a planet with this gravity versus your home planet, which supposedly was four to six times larger, and you're here for so many thousands of years, millennia, your body then adjusts to this gravity. You, it's almost impossible for you to go back and sustain a normal life on that planet. When, when astronauts come back just from being in space for a little while, they can barely walk. Imagine if it was millennia that they were up there and then came back. They'd be completely disintegrated. So their bodies have gotten used to the Earth's gravity. Uh, and I think that some of them have already taken wives and they decided to stay. Uh, but ultimately, the bloodlines who are told about the truth, you know, they want to make it back to the stars. So I think ultimately what's happening is uh, human beings are still being used as cattle because we're, their mean, we're a means to their end. And their end is to use us to get all the resources, to get all the finances, even though it's fake money, but to generate enough resources through that method, that system, that they can they can work on the secret space program and they can get themselves back out into the space and stars. Right, but the notion being that they lost the technology at some point, 
they had the yes. technology to travel and they lost that. They lost it, absolutely. Because, you know, for example, if we have, let's say we have a spaceship and we travel to another planet, we crash land, okay? Then we have, uh, you know, our, our kids are there with us and they go on and they mate and everything and they have more kids. Hello. By the second or third generation, that wreck is just a piece of metal. It means nothing. I mean, they have no technology to get off their planet. They don't even have a way to make a screen or a cell phone or anything. They've got to start literally from zero. And I think that after that last pyramid war and the one that Anunnaki did leave, they took a lot of the technology they had with them. They cleaned house down here. They took stuff out of the Great Pyramid. They, they buried uh, they buried entire cities that were advanced cities. Mm. They just found another three or 400 buried pyramids right in the sands of Giza. Mm. These cities are buried. I mean, this sand is imported and dumped there. Uh, and there's many places around the world like that, uh, that that this has happened. So I believe that um, you know they're in the process or have been in the process over millennia of getting back to space. Uh, to us, again, it seems like a long period of time, but to them, it's just it's just all, even if it's generational, they don't care. It's a mission that I believe that they're on. And the whole secret behind the 33rd degree Masons, the biggest secret behind it all, besides, besides all the mysteries and things like that, the biggest secret is space travel. Because in order to leave the planet Earth, you have to travel 33 times the speed of sound to leave this planet. And that's the biggest secret of them all. That's behind it. It's about getting off this planet. It's about getting back into the stars. So, Billy, you're looking at a lot of the anomalies that have been found from the NASA photos and talking about some of the discoveries you've seen on different planets, um, whether it be Mars, Venus, even Pluto. You're saying that you found anomalies with your anomaly hunters, right? Yes, we found anomalies. I'm part of the United Family of Anomaly Hunters. We've literally downloaded over one million images now, the whole group of us. And we've found, picked out about 50,000 total anomalies. The majority of them are on Mars because we have the most data from Mars. Uh, these anomalies, what, are, what is an anomaly? An anomaly is an out-of-place object, something that shows geometry, something that almost appears to be like a biological organism or something that's out of place. And how we do this, we pull down raw data directly from the European Space Agency server, NASA servers, and the Indian Space Agency servers. And we actually pull them down into our computers. We magnify them. We literally get out magnifying glasses and go inch by inch, sometimes millimeter by millimeter, looking at these images. When we spot something, okay, we see this, this rock outcropping here. This particular object doesn't match this outcropping. We pull them in and we really analyze them in detail. We open them from Photoshop, we take a better look and we take away some of the haze, some of the false fudging that's been put over them. And once we do that, we see what's there. If we just, we, we vote on it and say, okay, this is definitely something that's there. And we put it out on our site and we say, look, here's another anomaly that we discovered, something that's out of place. We can't specifically tell you this is what it is, but we can tell you that, look, this is an out of place object and it doesn't belong in here. It's not something that we believe is naturally formed by nature. Mm -hmm. And so what are the, some of the, the things that, look, that appear to be as far as... A lot of structures. We've seen structures on Mercury. People say, oh, Mercury, you can't have anything. Mercury is... Now the Mercury Messenger mission has revealed that Mercury has 47% oxygen, argon gases, hydrogen, everything else. You can literally pop your, your helmet off when you land on Mercury and take a deep breath. The temperature isn't molten lead like everybody thought. Only at the equator is extremely hot, but towards the poles... You actually get a, a normalized temperature because Mercury takes 61 days to spin on its own axis. So most of the planets never in the direct sunlight. We found structures there, structure after structure after structure. And these structures, one of the biggest ones that I discovered, made international news. It's this one building that appears to be almost a mile long. And you can use a measuring tool to tell how big this, this structure is. And it's backed up to a canal or a lake. And, and again, it's already been revealed publicly that there are billions of tons of water and, and um are, and gas is on Mercury, so it's not even a secret anymore. Venus as well, we've discovered 
what appear to be structures, massive structures, which appear to be intact, which is very bizarre, because if it's an ancient society, why are these things, you know, on Earth, if something is here, and you go back and look at it in a thousand years, it looks pretty, you know, destroyed or fallen apart or demolished, but a lot of these structures appear to be completely intact. Mars, you can find destroyed structures everywhere. You can find remnants of ancient civilizations and cities. Um, and a lot of what appear to be different types of machines directly on the surface, just laying there. But the majority of Mars has been washed over. You can tell, you can see where it had a global flood and a lot of the stuff has been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the moons that orbit Saturn and Jupiter uh, as well have evidence of, uh, of pyramids. All of these, by the way, have pyramids. Pyramids on our moon, pyramids on Mercury, pyramids on Venus, all the way across the whole solar system. We actually have now uh, questions coming in from the uh, from our viewers. So um, Sarah from Texas asked a really interesting question about the dark side of the moon. That basically she's seen hundreds of small pyramids, according to some of the, the photographs. Um, and one of the theories is that you know John Lear has pointed out the idea that there's a soul machine, essentially, or some kind of um, the pyramids in some form suck in all the uh, energy that tries to pass off this planet. Do you think that this is what's going on as far as, is there a matrix that's kind of keeping souls here to keep reincarnating, to keep living through an existence and uh, basically to, for a set period of time? That's a very interesting concept. I'm not 100%, 100% sure of that theory. I do know that the Clementine mission went and took pictures of the back side of the moon. I hate to call it the dark side of the moon because there is no dark side of the moon. That's another word term that's kind of thrown around that tricks people into thinking that one side's always dark and one side's not. The moon rotates on its own axis. It's in a tidal locked orbit with the Earth, so we only get to see one side. But, but on that side of the moon, the Clementine mission took a lot of interesting photos. A lot of anomalies are on that side of the moon. There's a lot of what appear to be craters with pyramids inside the craters. And I'm talking about dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Now, I'm not 100% sure if they are attached to this thing that the Anunnaki talk, talk about, which they're able to, they talk about taking this, the soul of a human being and encapsulating it and keeping it regenerating on this planet as a slave. I'm not sure if that connects directly with those pyramids or not. I can't really say, but I can tell you this. I had a meeting with uh, Major Ed Dames in um, uh, October of this year where he talked about an, a black pyramid on the backside of the moon that actually uh, is not owned by us, that it's actually functional. But this black pyramid, black meaning the color black, uh, actually there was a, a nuclear experiment in the desert somewhere in Mesopotamia or somewhere in the Middle East, and it was, it was a fail. They didn't bury it deep enough. And he claimed that this black pyramid disappeared from there, reappeared over this failed nuclear experiment, and sucked up the radiation, and then disappeared from there and went back to the, the backside of the moon. This is a claim, obviously, that he's made, but um, it's very interesting. Uh, that she says maybe it has to do with, with, with you know, absorbing the souls because the Anunnaki do talk about that. I just don't know if there's a direct correlation with that and the anomalies on the backside of the moon. Mm-hmm. But the point is that we are reincarnating here for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. And is there is there any purpose in your mind towards what humans are meant to achieve while they're in this incarnation process? I think that there's uh, different levels. I think certain people actually have volunteered to come here to help and assist with mankind's ascension to a higher dimension because some have broke free and realized what's going on and have come back to try to assist and aid. Uh, I call them Jedis, D-J-E-D-I, you know. Uh, And then we have some people here that are just reincarnating over and over again and don't really realize what's going on. And they're looking for this assistance, looking for this help. And those people are coming to us and coming to shows like this and coming, you know, to Guy and other places and seeking knowledge and truth, trying to find ways to to really consciously transform, transform themselves. Uh, and I think there's also 
soulless avatars that are part of the actual Matrix program, in my personal opinion, that are here to try to keep everybody boxed in. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things going on all at once. Yeah, so in basically in zero-point energy and these these theories that you're working with, um, are you looking to certain theorists, I would think of like Tesla, for example, um, or even potentially like... Uh, even like wormhole or stargate technology which has been talked about in the ancient past so i mean are you looking to the more recent past or to the ancient past we actually have gone ancient i mean super ancient all the way back to the mahabharata and the bhagavad gita which are some ancient indian texts and there they talk about the manas and then these these vamanas uh were talked about and written about that actually had mercury engines and were able to to levitate and fly silently across the land and transport the kings and elites from place to place uh, so we actually looked into that and said, could this be possibly real? And the more we looked into it, the more we found that it could potentially be very, very real theoretically. Mm -hmm. So we started experimenting with different concepts of using mercury uh, because that's what they used. And mercury is a ferrofluid. It's actually a liquid metal. Uh, so we discovered that by putting this liquid metal into a torus, which is a steel torus with a reverse magnetic field inside of it to keep the actual uh, fluid from the, the, the ferrofluid from touching the inside, and then you actually can bring it up to a rotation to, a, to an RPM of about 50,000. Once you do that, and then pressurize that torus to about 250,000 pressures, you then get this amazing anti-gravity bubble. And what, you don't get complete anti-gravity, but you do get to reduce the weight of an object. With anything within the range of that torus field will be reduced by up to 70%, the weight, the mass. Uh, so these are some of the theories that we're exper experimenting with, and we're very excited about it because it really looks like we'll be able to provide something that could potentially provide an anti-gravity or, or reduce the mass of an object. Mm -hmm. So you see these companies that are basically working to privatize the uh, space endeavors, you know, companies like SpaceX and Virgin Galactic. Do you think that this is ultimately a benefit for mankind's initiative towards traveling towards space, or will these companies ultimately just privatize the gains and basically keep them secret from the public? Uh, it's going to work a little bit both ways. Some of the... Uh, some of the technology and some of the, some of the discoveries will be provided to, to the general population or citizens of this planet, uh, but not the really big ones. And I think, and I can't say this for sure, but I think that's in part because they've probably signed agreements with the military-industrial complex, NASA, whoever it is, the bigger organization, uh, to keep some of the, the bigger discoveries top secret because it's got to go through a filter first. I mean, they just can't go out there and say, look, we found this entire civilization with all this technology laying around. Look, everybody, that we they're gonna, it's going to go by, through a step-by-step -step process, and then the powers that be will then decide who gets access to what, who gets a chance to see what. Overall, the private industries will, will profit significantly from this, and I think that the citizens of the world will be spoon-fed a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. So why is it that the government over the past few years, especially under Obama, for example, they cut back on NASA's uh, manned endeavors towards space, for example? Um, what is, you know, what is the motivation to cut back on NASA, which does seem to have been a tremendous initiative uh, for, you know, for a lot of what we know as far as the probes of space and whatnot? Um, but also it seems that there is sort of a, a deep cover element within NASA as well. So do you think NASA is ultimately losing power and they're transferring know more uh, of a role to the private companies or is, is NASA still a prominent uh, component in the entire endeavor to understand space well that's a very good question now what's happening is NASA is a front for a much bigger program the SSP or the secret space program and what's what NASA is planning to do basically is they're going to continue to 
progress uh, with through private space because through private space you can actually cover a lot more things up. When you're a public uh, or you know, public access type of company or a company run by the government, then people can put in Freedom of Information Acts. They can request information. They can say, hey, where, where are our dollars are going here? What's going on? What, what can, We need to see what you're doing. This is why NASA releases those images from Mars and Venus and, and Mercury and all these other planets we go to because they have to. But if it was done by a private space industry, they wouldn't have to release anything. So through private space, you can keep things a lot more secret because you bypass the whole government uh, objective and you bypass the, the citizens, really. So you can really get a lot more things done behind the scenes than you can uh, by staying public. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is the ultimate, um, let's say, you know, purpose or uh, destiny of man when it comes to space travel? Do you think that you know, humans will ultimately be going and colonizing Mars in the coming you know, millennia, for example, or do you think that ultimately uh, it will basically, you know, space travel will be secured for a small elite group that perhaps are even traveling in space, in your opinion? Well, I think that uh, the, the biggest objective overall for space travel is to uh, secure the human race. Unfortunately, it's a very small list of people that are allowed to get access to this, these breakaway civilizations. And I really do believe that there probably are multiple breakaway civilizations right now and expanding. And I think that the, they're, they're looking for specific types of um, genetic makeups, people with different types of uh, abilities, whether it be technology, whether it be sciences, you know, whether it be even construction. Uh, so I think that there's a very small hand-picked group of people that are going to these breakaway civilizations and starting these infrastructures. Uh, and I think that overall in general, the general population for, mo for the most might not even never know about it or maybe many centuries down the road will then eventually have free access to go back and forth. But I think initially it's going to be um, kept to the elites. Absolutely. Fascinating interview. Thank you so much for your time, Billy. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. Okay, so that was a different uh, take on uh, some of the things that uh, we've looked at before. Um, but um, there was also some information that uh, was not true. So, um, I mean, it was blatantly not true. So you have to sort of uh, be careful who you uh, decide to believe in. When he said that uh, Phil Schneider died of his wounds, he was um, deliberately killed because he was talking out about the materials that they were using and the fact that there were aliens down there and all that. And he was garroted and, and choked to death. So, um, and he said that he died from his wounds and that wasn't quite what happened. But even so, you know, um, he was able to give us some information, um, little tidbits here and there that we can pass along and try to get a whole big picture of what's really happening. So thank you for listening very much. Bye-bye.